is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. This is Jimmy Scroggins, lead pastor at Family Church here with my good friend Steve Wright, our executive pastor at Family Church and church planning machine for the Family Church Network. We've been talking on our podcast about multi-site church for the rest of us, and today we're going to talk about one of several ways that we use to go multi-site. Steve, you like to say that our approach to church planting and multi-site involves getting a lot of hooks in the water, and since you're an expert fisherman every weekend... (laughs) Why don't you explain to our listeners what that means, except on this one, please try to tell the truth. All right, I'll try. You know, fishermen don't always tell the truth. I know. I'll I'll try to keep it within a reasonable amount of truthness. That would be great. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously our approach is to get a lot of hooks in the water. And, you know, I obviously steal that from just fisherman language. I mean, you know, when you go out fishing in the tournaments, you know, over the last couple of years, my boys and I have really gotten into the offshore fishing tournament scene here in South Florida. And so... It's really a lot of fun. I mean, you go to these things. I mean, there's 300 boats that you're competing with. I mean, you really are competing against some of the best of the best. And, you know, you're out there wanting to win and the competition is tough. And so while you're out there, you know, you're you're really considering all types of strategies and anything you can do to get, you know, more hooks in the water. Yeah, and I remember when you started, you guys did not have a lot of success. No, we were terrible. In the last year or two, you guys have actually won tournaments and won actually quite a lot of money <laughs> well by god's grace we're, and so, we're getting better we're so getting hooks better. In, getting more hooks in the water is important in fishing tournaments so really important for church planning as well and what we do at family church steve as you know is we have a mix and match approach we like to have a lot of hooks in the water we have a mixed model and so what we're going to do in order to keep these different models and different methods separate for purposes of our podcast we're going to call the, the model we're talking about today the traditional launch, sometimes called the launch large model. And it's the tried and true model. It's the one that we probably all are most familiar with. When you say, I'm going to plant a church, most people assume you're going to try to do some form of launch large, traditional launch model. You identify a place where you want to plant. You find a pastor, hopefully the most talented, up-and-coming you know, leader type that you can find. You put together some kind of a launch team, whether that's staff members or some kind of a core group. You make an appeal locally and nationally for support. If you have a network, whatever you do, go barnstorm as many churches. If you know anybody on a mega church staff, you beg for an audience, you know, with their missions person or whoever. And then you set a date, you build momentum, you advertise. Perhaps you're hoping to have as many as 100 or 200 or 500 at a initial launch service, which you know will then go down by, you know, 50% or whatever. (laughs) 75. Yeah, whatever. And then you take that as kind of your baseline number, and then you try to grow from there. And this is how we at Family Church initially went multi-site. We started a a new campus. We called it Family Church Abacoa, just north of West Palm Beach, just south of Jupiter. And uh, we ended up starting that church, starting from you know, a core group of 60, identifying a pastor and recruiting a a worship guy and started in a school auditorium. And we were able to grow it from there 
to about 350, and then we moved a couple times now, it's running about 900. So we actually believe in that model. Historically, we've been a downtown church. We were formerly called the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. We have a prominent address right on the intercoastal waterway in downtown West Palm Beach. And for years, decades even, our church tried to be a regional megachurch. And we were naturally attracting a lot of people from the suburbs. So we just decided to take our people who have been collecting downtown on the weekends and send them back to the neighborhoods where they live and start neighborhood churches. And I think the launch large model, the traditional launch, has been a success for us. What do you say, Steve? Well, it's definitely been a success. And I mean, one of the things that it's allowed us to do, it's allowed us to extend our reach. And so if you were a church planter moving to, you know, to West Palm Beach to plant, you know, you probably would not select where we are. So we have a beautiful downtown campus. I mean, it's in a beautiful area of West Palm Beach, but we're located right on the intercoastal. And so obviously just right off the bat, you, you have a half a circle to, to reach. I mean, you, right. The circumference, the radius that you right. can try to reach only really goes 180 degrees because we're right on the intercoastal, which is a mile from the beach. Right. And we're, we haven't found an effective way to get the, the dolphin <laughs> and the mahi. Yeah, the citizens the, of Atlantis haven't yeah, been coming. That's right. And so obviously if we were going to reach the 1.5 million here in South Florida, in, in West Palm Beach, Palm Beach County, we were going to have to extend our reach. And so by having campuses spread out all over Palm Beach County, this certainly has been a huge win for us and certainly been successful. So one of the things, Jimmy, that has really also made this a win for us is it was a way for us to send people on mission. And so obviously we see this in the New Testament where the church was a sending church. And they 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 were constantly sending people out. And so really, that's what has happened here. I mean, Jimmy, you've kind of coined the phrase of of a one-year mission trip. Yeah, that's right. So we get our people together and we invite them to go on a one-year mission trip. And, you know, that has worked well. And for a lot of people, when they think about living on mission and living on the mission field, like in South Florida, a lot of them can easily fall into the rut of just going to church and see, you know, studying the Bible, things that they should be doing. But taking a gospel risk and leaving their church to go out in the name of Jesus to be a missionary is something that we've challenged our people to do. And quite honestly, we've sent these people out on this one-year mission trip. And how many of them have come back? Very few. Very few. They're right. right. They go out and they don't come back. Well, we love watching all that happen, but it's important for our listeners to know if you're going to go multi-site or you're going to plant a church, doing it this way, there is definitely a cost to the originating church, to the mother church the sending church. The reason there's a cost is you are going to send out your very best people that you can to start these new congregations. Your instinct will be to do the opposite of that. The instinct of the pastor is to hold on to your very best and send the people that you don't like. (laughs) They're complaining anyway. Let them go start something new. Or maybe you want to send people who aren't very good at what they do, like your worst Sunday school teachers or your worst small group leaders, your worship leaders, your worst worship leaders who aren't good enough to sing on your platform. Give them a shot out there. Get your, you know, B or C list preachers and let them have a try. That is a terrible way to start a new congregation. I think we ought to do for our new campuses or our new churches what we would do if we were the church planter. We should take the very best resources, including people that we can and send them out there. So that's what we did. We've sent team leaders, Bible study teachers, solid members, solid givers. And since we have a parish model, which means we're still one church because we have one name, 
one leadership structure, one constitution and bylaws, and one budget, it does minimize some of the risk and some of the impact. And that's one of the one of the benefits of multi-site, at least at first, over autonomous church planting is I'm sending our best, true, but they're still part of us. And that, that's a that's a big benefit. The other benefit, I think, is immediate transfer of DNA. If you send your best, these are the most bought in, invested, high participation people that you have. And when you send them to start something new, they already are starting kind of with the best of what you have at the new place. Right. It, it helps to start on third base. It, it really does bring a lot of value to the new congregation. And it helps us reach new people. Our West Campus almost started a satellite in a nearby apartment complex, but the HOA or the, the condo association or whatever it was in that, in that complex shut it down. And so we're trying to use this satellite method, this, this method to reach all kinds of people, people who won't travel to downtown West Palm Beach, whether they're unchurched or dechurched or new to the neighborhood. We're trying to reach all different kinds of people using this model. Well, Jimmy, when you think about the people who are at your church and they're, you know, maybe you have all this stable of just really qualified, awesome leaders, they're willing to sit back, right? Oh, sure. And then when you send all of these incredible leaders, that group who was sitting back, they get engaged. And then, you know, you think about it from a standpoint, you know, for the average pastor thinking, man, I don't want to really lose all these people. I don't really want to send all these people out. I know it was our experience at Providence. We would send people out 100, 200 right. at a time. And Jimmy, literally here, we've sent hundreds upon hundreds. Yep. And it's really been amazing to look back and see how it backfills. That's right. It, it does backfill. Here's, here's the one thing I would say, just being upfront and honest, and this is why church for the rest of us matters. It will wound the sending church for a time. It really will. And that's real. So We've sent out hundreds of people from our downtown campus over the last five years, and it's taken four or five years for us to reestablish our leadership base, reestablish our leadership pipeline, and elevate new people to the status of the people that we sent out. And I'm not even sure we're 100% there. I mean, it's a lot easier to fill the seats back up than it is to fill the leadership back up. And so, you know, there is a cost to doing this, and I tell people all the time, Look, if you do this, you just need to be prepared. It is going to wound the sending campus for a time. It just does. Well, Jimmy, one of the, my favorite stories, you know, we were getting ready to plant the church out in the western neighborhood near Wellington. And one Sunday I walked in and there's a gentleman named George that goes to our church. He's mm-hmm. in his 80s. And if you ever oh, see yeah. George, you recognize him pretty quick because he's, he's really elderly and kind of humped over. I mean, just he looks frail and yeah. weak. And one Sunday morning, we were walking down the hallway, and <laughs> George looks up, and he says, Pastor Steve, I want to say goodbye. This is my last Sunday. You thought he was going to heaven. I thought he was going to heaven or <laughs> no. a nursing home. I didn't know where he's going. I was like, I was like, George, what's going on? I mean, what's the problem? He said, well, you know, Pastor Jimmy stood up in front of our church and said he needed leaders to go out west. And so my wife and I, we're, we're heading out. He's a church planner. We're going. And, you know, you still see He's George, in his 90s. I, he's out there. Going at it. Yeah. And so, you know, when you, you a lot of That's times true. when you think about people who are willing to go, sometimes when we put the challenge in front of our people, we're surprised at who's willing to sign up. Well, we have story after story, too, at all of the campuses of people who were honestly marginally connected to our church. But because they made this decision to be a part of a launch team, take a mission trip for a year, make a one-year commitment, be a part of this traditional launch, 
they have gotten completely tied into the church, completely bought into the mission. And this has resulted in people who give a lot of money, people who serve a lot of hours, people who bring a lot of expertise to the table. I mean, it really has made an amazing difference. I think of Jack and Julie Tempe, who left and went to help us plant Family Church at Abacoa in 2010, you know, seven years ago. And they were very marginally connected to our church. But because we're launching this thing kind of near their neighborhood, they said, what the heck, we'll do it. Well, they have become some of the greatest, most faithful serving church members that we have. They've actually helped us launch Abacoa. Then they helped us launch Family Church in Palm Beach Gardens. And then they helped us launch Family Church in Jupiter. So they've been a part of three different launch teams now over the last seven years. And it's all because they had this opportunity put in front of them. And traditional launch gave us that chance. Well, Jimmy, one of the things in order for a traditional launch like this to work is everybody has to feel like they've got an oar in the water. That's right. right. And so I I really like how when we, you know, start assembling our teams and we start talking about how we need them to work, to go, to serve, to attend, all of those things. There's three things that we ask. Could you walk our listeners through that? Yeah, we want everybody who's on a launch team, number one, you have to attend. So we want you to attend faithfully. We don't want you to jump around. We don't that, want you to come helps. back downtown. Well, it's really important, especially from the perspective of the pastor who's planting the new campus. He needs to know he can count on his launch team to be there every Sunday that they possibly can. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear about, hey, we thought we'd go back down and hear Pastor Jimmy again, or we thought we'd jump up. No, right. that won't we work. need you here. You're part of the launch team. Second thing is we want them to get a job. So everybody who's part of a launch team has to have a job. If you don't have a job, you're not part of launching by job. I don't mean during the week. I mean on Sundays. So you're either working in the kids area. You're working in our first impressions area, greeting people. You're working in set up and tear down, or you're working in tech and worship. You're in one of those four areas every single week for the first year. That's part of your one year mission trip. And then the third thing is we want you to give and we want you to give at the campus where you're attending. And that matters. And so we want these launch team members to make these three primary commitments And then we're going to hold them accountable for that. I'll tell you what's amazing. The accountability piece of this has been zero. And we've launched a ton of them by now. And honestly, everybody is very faithful to keep their commitments. And at the end of the year, some people do go back to the original campus. But I'd say it's less than 10%. Almost all these people. In fact, I've had multiple families say to me, hey, listen, you challenged us to take a mission trip for a year. And I told my wife, we're going to go for one year. And on Sunday number, that's 52 Sundays, Sunday number 53, I'm coming back to where I came from. You can take same pew. Yeah. And you know what? Five years later, three years later, they're like, no, I wouldn't want to come back now. It's near my neighborhood. My neighbors go here and I'm part of a small group and they just don't come back. Well, Jimmy, part of this ask that we make on the front end, in the training, it really carries over because when, when we start the training for these, you know, for the launch teams and you know, we're all together collectively casting vision, talking to them. And then we say, hey, we want you to divide up. And we've got student workers, right. children's workers, right. assimilation. We, so we have all of these teams, right? Well, we, we really don't have a pocket of people for all of you who aren't serving somewhere. No. Right. And so, I mean, immediately there's just an attitude. If this is going to work, I've got to get involved. I've got, and really that positions that church to really get on plane quick. And it, it, it sends a strong message that everybody has to get involved, and that's really important. Well, it also necessitates everyone inviting people to the launch, because if you have 60 people in your core group and every one of them has a job and you don't have any new people show up, it's really embarrassing because 20 of the people are outside greeting people, 
and 10 of them are in there on the worship team, and 10 of them are in there with the kids' team. And if you didn't get any new people to come, you only got 10 people (laughs) (laughs) actually sitting there. Right. And so it kind of motivates everybody because you're a part of it. You're giving, you're serving, you have a job. It motivates everybody to invite people as well. Jimmy, what about, you know, for maybe there's a church, maybe there's a pastor listening today and, and they've never done this, but they're considering it. Like what would be an ideal size? Like what type of group would, let's say we wanted to plant a church in Boynton and we assembled a team and we had. You know, the best we could do is get, you know, 10 or 15 people to come. Like, talk to us a little bit about the size of launch team. And Well, to me, if you're going to do traditional launch, launch large. I personally wouldn't do it unless I thought I could get at least 100 people to my first service as a very minimum. And I think it would be really, really good to have at least 200 at your first service. Okay, so how has that worked? Just maybe give us two or three examples. Well, the way that that's worked for us is we thought we've been able to pretty much count on we can get three times or four times our launch team in our first service in terms of a number. So if we have 50 in a launch team, we can often have 200 people at the first service. If we can have 100, we might could have 300 at the first service or 400. So that's that to me is, and really doesn't matter because depending on what size church you are and what size community you're in, that's how large you can launch large. I mean, launch large is a way you do it. It's not really based on a number. So... You know, depending on a function size church, if, if I was a church of, I probably wouldn't try to do a launch large site unless I was at least a church of 500 to 1,000. I'd probably do it a different way. I think this is for a larger church that can put 50 or 100 people on a launch team that can get two or three or 400 people into a first service. That to me would be the ideal size. Well, Jimmy, you had a pastor and his wife here over the weekend, and they're really trying to go multi-site. And then I just left a meeting with two pastors from North Carolina. They live in Boone, North Carolina, in the mountains. Right. right. And they're trying to figure out how to do multi-site in a very rural setting. Right. And, you know, so this idea and this conversation is not going away anytime soon. And so there's a lot of churches that are trying to get to multi-site. They're considering different ways like this. And this is a effective way. This is a way that we've been able to win and to, to see God's hand move no in doubt. amazing ways. And so we're going to be talking about this on March 1st at our conference. And so talk to us a yeah, little I bit about wait. that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, listen to our listeners. You guys do not want to miss this conference. If you can make it, it's very affordable. It's one day. It's in a beautiful place to be in March because some of you guys live in some really cold places. <laughs> Here, the leaves are still green. The grass is green. The sun is shining. You can go to the beach. You can go fishing. But whatever it is, we look forward to, to hearing from you and from meeting you in person. Let me just tell you some of the workshops that we're having. We have over 47 breakout sessions, and we want you to come and bring your team, bring your wife, come, and, and we have something for everybody on your team. We're going to have breakouts on church planting, breakouts on how to start multi-site campuses, Breakouts on replanting churches, breakouts on how to create mergers or strategic partnerships, breakout for people in kids' ministry, for people in student ministry. We're going to talk about in the worship area how to go from a traditional church to update the style of your worship service, how to go from a traditional church 
to a more contemporary church. We're going to have have workshops on all of these things. And the cool thing about it, Steve, we don't have a green room. And so everybody who's a presenter Absolutely. will be hanging out before and after in the, in the breakout room. They'll be in the hallways and you'll have an opportunity to connect and hang out. And the reason for that is we want an opportunity to hang out with you. We want to learn from you. We want to hear what you are doing as part of our church for the rest of us network. And we want to hear from you and learn from you. So I hope that you'll come and bring some people with you. Jimmy, I don't know if you, you've looked at your calendar yet, but I think we've blocked off even some time for we you have. and I and our staff, you know, prior to the event. And then the next day, I think we're also yeah. going to be offering some It's on time a Thursday slots. and on Wednesday and Friday, there's some time slots. If anyone wants to meet with us, they certainly can do it. And it's not. So if a pastor is bringing his entire staff down here and Absolutely. they want to sit with different team members, we're going to yeah. make that available. Yeah. Shoot us an email, give us a call, and we'll, we'll try to arrange that for sure. We may not teach them much, but we we'll will learn have, a lot. We'll, we'll laugh a lot. You can tell fish stories. I'll tell fish stories. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening today. It's been an honor to have you listening to this episode. And the end. <laughs> that was a great wrap up. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We could, we could splice in something different. If you want. I would yeah, just I would it. just leave it right there. I just leave the end. No. Great wrap up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't supposed to be doing it, but I looked at you like, I don't think he's doing it. So here we go. <sighs> let's let's re-splice something at the end. I thought that was pretty good. I think you should leave it. The end. Good wrap up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs>